Turn to 1 Corinthians 15, if you will. It's a very familiar passage. This will be short. We have some more singing to do because there's a song that I want the praise team to sing. Um, yes. Okay. There's a song that I want the praise team to sing uh, before we go this morning. And uh, I'm going to leave time for that and for time for our elders to say hello and, and share any remarks they have. So here's what it says in 1 Corinthians 15. If you have it, say amen. All right, 1 Corinthians 15. Let's just pray. Lord, we just thank you for Resurrection Day 2023. We ask, Lord, that in our service today that you be glorified. May your people be edified. May your word be clear. May it be accurate, balanced, and clear. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So Paul wrote this letter to the church at Corinth, which is over in the Middle East. And uh, actually, the city still exists to this day. Here's what it says in verse 3 of 1 Corinthians 15. It says, For I delivered to you of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. By the way, I've shared this passage before on Resurrection Sundays, but I plan to say it's something a little different than I've shared before because I think this is one of the most important passages in the New Testament. That Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. By the way, just a little side note, it's amazing when we talk about redemption and we talk about quote-unquote Easter, very few passages or very few people talk about the burial. We, we have tons and songs and hymns and poems about the crucifixion, we have a ton of information about the resurrection, but not everyone talks about the burial. Guess what? With no burial, with no burial, then there's no bona fide, verifiable resurrection. Jesus had to be buried. And just in case people didn't get it, he created a living metaphor in the Old Testament in the book of Jonah, where Jonah was in the belly of the, and by the way, just to be technical, it wasn't necessarily a well. The Bible doesn't say well. Just like people get it wrong in Genesis 3 that Adam and Eve didn't necessarily eat an apple. It doesn't say apple. It doesn't say that Jonah was in the belly of a well. It says great fish. May have been a well, but it could have been something else. It may have been an apple in Genesis 3, but it also could have been an orange or a pear, just saying, or some fruit that we've never heard of. Maybe God decided, you know what, I'm getting rid of this fruit. I'm, I'm just taking it out of circulation. So I ain't giving y'all a name of it so y'all won't be, you know, getting any ideas. I'm just going to take it out of circulation, but we don't know. But to be specific, I brought that up because Jesus was buried and Jesus gave it a symbol or a sign or a metaphor of that in the Old Testament when he said, just like Jonah was in the belly of the great fish for three days, three nights, so will the Son of Man be in the earth. So burial was important. Burial was a very important thing with the Jewish culture. They did not believe in cremation. I don't believe that most observing Jews or Orthodox Jews believe in cremation to this day because they felt the body was the temple of God and it didn't belong to them and they had no right to dispose of it. So cremation was off the table. 
Am I making a statement about cremation? No. Just brought it up because I wanted to point out why the bear. Trust me, you know, I, I once heard the late, great Chuck Smith say, cremation does in 30 minutes what the grave does in 30 years. Uh, eventually, we're going to get to dust. Okay? It may not be done in minutes. It might take decades. But eventually, we're going to still, those of us that will see death, will still get to that same final destination, right? So we won't quibble over necessarily how we get there, just that we will get there. But it doesn't matter whether we die because of incineration or we die because of drowning and we're eaten by fish or wild animals. On that day, hello, on that day, God's going to reconstitute us in whatever form we're in. We might be worm food. We might be in the belly of a robin or a blue jay. We may be swimming around in a bluegill or, or a crabfish. But on that day, on that, as the old saints used to say, that great getting up day, God's going to raise us up. But whatever format, Lazarus, you know, uh, someone mentioned Lazarus earlier and how he hopped out of the grave. Uh, some of us may not be still in physical form. We might be in dust form. But God is going to resurrect those bodies and give us glorified bodies. So we, so God will take care of how that whole reconstitution process works. But I think this is an amazing passage. Let me just finish it and then I'm going to let you go. It says, so that he appeared to Cephas, then to the 12. Are you all with me? And then on verse 6, after that, he appeared to more than 500 brethren at one time, most of whom remain until now, but some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to the apostles, and last of all, as to one untimely born, Jesus appeared to me also. So I read that this week in prep for today. I read that this week, uh, ladies and gentlemen, and I was kind of blown away because I thought I've been reading this for, well, just, just so the system read doesn't read, feel too bad. I'll just use her age. I've been reading this for 79 years. Okay, 79 years I've been reading this. Okay, she's never going to be able to live that down. You wait till you wait till Marcus gets a hold of that. You are not going to hear the end of that because he's still on Mary Louise about being the first lady. So, so we're going to hear. But, but at any rate, so for 79 years, as it were. <laughs> I've been reading this, and it dawned on me that last phrase there, Rod Wells, he appeared to me also, Paul writes. And that just, for some reason this week, I was just asking the Lord for, you know, give me some thoughts for uh, a Resurrection Day message, and boom, I'm finishing up this passage this week, and it just hit me. You know, sometimes I don't really get the message kind of like, it doesn't coagulate. You guys remember the Terminator the one that he melted down, and then he started re, uh, reassembling the, the uh, melted pieces of, of metal, started recoagulating until he was back in form again. Well, usually with me, the message doesn't actually completely come together until like Thursday or Friday. But when I read this, I knew Monday morning, this is what I'm going to share with you guys. Has the Lord appear to you also you see that now wait wait it gets better because i mean you say like i don't know where you're going with this no here's where i'm going with this 
Paul said, the Lord appeared to all these people. And I thought about, well, how does he appear today? He's not in the material form. He's not incarnate. He's not God in the flesh today. He's back in a spirit form. And I, and I, and I saw red on and I said, here it is. Here, it's the secret, the answer to that question is right in the passage. He kept, he kept, he kept repeating this, this phrase according to the scriptures. And I put it together. I put it together. I said, wait, here's how he appears to us today. No, he doesn't physically manifest himself like I'm standing in front of you in flesh and blood. What he does is he said in John, the gospel of John, he said, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God. And wait for it. And the word was God. And he goes on to say that in John 14, John 1, 14, that the word dwelt among us in the flesh. So here's how the Lord appears to us. He appears to us today through his word, according to the scriptures. This is what makes God real to us today. Listen, guys, it's not science. It's not emotionalism. It's not feelings. It's not, it's not, um, it's not some sort of uh, emotional it's uh, high or euphoria. It's not an epiphany. It's not a revelation. He appears to us according to the scriptures, through his word. This is how we see him. This is how we meet him. This is how we experience him. This, this way, it keeps it from people, everybody having their own private Revelation, private interpretation. Well, God means he may mean to you, whatever. He means me. This is this is how I relate to God. I hear people say that all the time. We don't have any private interpretation, guys. We don't have a, a, a monopoly on how we want God to appear to us. He only appears to us through his word. So whatever happens in China happens in Canton. What happened happens in Indonesia happens in Indiana. There is no differences of our experience because he is the same God and he manifests himself one way, the way, the only way, and that's through his word. According to the scriptures. That way we get the same message, Rod. We get the same result, Reg. We get the same outcome, everybody, because we're all going about the process the same way, according to the scriptures. Well, well, actually, you know, that's it. I'm, I guess I'm done. That's, 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 I, said, I said I was going to shoot for seven to ten minutes, but that was the point that I wanted to make. But let me just close with one other point. When he said according to the scriptures, my, my final point will be this. I started thinking about, well, what scriptures was he referring to? Because this is like A.D. 80, A.D. 75 to 80. We're not even at the end of the first century yet, okay? From, a, from just a chronology standpoint, just getting the, getting the years in sequential order. So I started looking at some scriptures, and I said, well, maybe when he was referring to the fact that he's going to die on the cross, according to the scriptures, he was referring to Romans 5, 8, which says, by the way, but God shows his love for us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Okay? And I thought, well, maybe when he was referring to the burial the Lord was talking about through Paul in 1 Corinthians. He's saying that, so they took the body of Jesus and bound it in linen cloths and spices, which was the burial custom of the Jews. That's what John said. 
So then it says, and he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures. So I thought there's a scripture that talks about the Lord rising on the third day in Luke 24, 5. So I looked at all those scriptures and I said, but wait a minute, wait, 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 wait. Before I sit down, let me say this. None of these scriptures had been written yet. None of this stuff had been canonized. None of this stuff was documented. And if it had been written, it certainly hadn't been combined into scripture. John didn't even write his gospel until around AD 95. Paul was speaking these words around AD 85 or 75. So I, I thought about it and I said, oh, I got it. Paul was referring to the Old Testament. He was saying that according to the scriptures, the Lord had talked about his death, burial, and resurrection in the Old Testament. Places like, I don't know, Genesis 3.15, Psalms 22, Psalms 16, Hosea 6, Isaiah 53, and oh wait, Genesis 22. Genesis 22, what is that about, Pastor Will? Genesis 22 is about Abraham. Where is Rose? Genesis 22 is about Abraham. God told Abraham to take his son to the top of the mountain, Mount Moriah, for sacrificing purposes. And just to show you that God doesn't believe in human sacrifice, watch how he intercepts this. Abraham was on his way up the mountain, according to Genesis 22, all right? And he told his servants that was with him, hey, you, it was two of them, you two guys, y'all chill, stay here. Me and the lad will be back. We're going to go and worship, and we'll be back. All right, that was a statement of faith right there. So they get to the top of the mountain. Watch this. Watch this. They get to the top of the mountain, and Abraham has with him a knife. He has a torch of fire, I'm imagining, and he has wood that Isaac is carrying. And by the way, side, sidebar, sidebar, sidebar. Isn't this a great image? This is a, isn't this a great type of Christ? Watch this. Isaac, who was a type of Christ, because he was the only begotten son of, Isaac, of Abraham and Sarah. We're not counting Hagar's son, Ishmael. We're just talking about Abraham and Sarah. That union brought about Isaac, only begotten son, miraculous son like Mary and Jesus. Mary was a virgin. Sarah wasn't a virgin, but it was a miracle to give birth at, wait for it, 90, 90, the fact that, well, I want to go into it. Um, so, so she's 90, and wait, there's one other similarity to Jesus. He was being offered, he was carrying the wood like Jesus carried the cross, ready to be sacrificed. But unlike Jesus, as they were about to do the sacrifice, Isaac made it a very astute statement. He said, Father, we have wood, we have the fire, where is the lamb for the burnt offering? And then this is when Abraham made this amazing statement. You guys need to write this down. Genesis 22, read it this week. It's a great week to read it following Holy Week. He said, the Lord, and by the way, the, the, the etymology of that passage in Genesis 22 you look at the Hebrew word, you look at the phonetics in the Hebrew word, you look at what they meant in actual Hebrew language, taking away the English transliteration. 
taking away the English translation, it should have been Yahweh, the Lord himself, Y-H-V-H, that tetragram, the Lord, him, the Lord will provide himself. Should have been a capital L. Actually, when you're using that tetragram, it's capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, which says to, which is a reference back to Elohim, God. God the creator. God the creator will pro provide himself, a play on words, both provide for himself and provide to himself a sacrifice. No one else was suitable. Even Isaac wasn't suitable. Lambs and goats and, and, and other, other types of animals, sheep and doves, were, were not suitable. They were always a placeholder. They were always a substitution. They were always a temporary sacrifice until the real sacrifice, who we're celebrating this morning, Jesus, until he came. So once again, Abraham makes this amazing statement. Son, the Lord will provide himself a sacrifice. In the actual Hebrew, for himself, by himself. Only he can be sacrificed that's going to be suitable to take away the sins of the world. So no wonder it says in Luke 10 that he came to seek and to save. The King James Version says that which was lost. I like the more modern translation that says those who were lost, because that includes all of us. All of us was lost. But that which was lost still commutes the point, the communicates the point that we all were in need of saving. Amen. I'm almost done. I just wanted to leave this last thought with you, a Monday morning moment. I love Genesis 22. I recommend that you look at verse 8 and verse 14, if nothing else. But as a Monday morning moment, I ask this semi-rhetorical question. As Jesus appeared to you also, he appeared to the apostles, he appeared to the 500, he appeared to Paul on the road to Damascus in Acts chapter 9. Has he appeared to you through his word? Because Romans 10, 17 says, now faith, N-O-W, now faith. Now faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. I know I won't get an opportunity to speak to a lot of you anymore this year, probably, because Resurrection Sunday seems to be a great Sunday for attracting people to the house of the Lord. And I'm so thrilled about it. But I will just say to you, if Jesus hasn't appeared to you, he's appearing to you right now through the scriptures, through those words on the screen. Even if you don't have a Bible with you, you can see these words. He's appearing to you. He's appearing to you through his word. Faith comes by believing in his word. Even miracles and signs and wonders aren't enough to change a person's heart. Only God's word. Isn't that amazing? I'm just amazing. God's word. This, 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 this right here. This right here. Changes hearts of, of kings. Of royalty. Of anyone. Atheists. Agnostics changes their hearts as jesus appears to you this great verse in isaiah 43 as i'm walking away from the podium because it just makes me want to speak more isaiah 43 it says in the new living translation but forget all that it's nothing to be compared to what i'm going to do for i am about to do something new 
about to do something new. I believe that the Lord is about to do something new in your lives. I'm just believing that by faith. I'm believing that by faith that Resurrection Day 2023, if you're in this room, something's going to happen. Something good is going to happen. God is up to something good. He's doing something. He's healing people. He's delivering people. He's saving people. He's convicting people. He is challenging people. He is revealing himself to people. Don't believe for a minute that you can encounter the Christ and leave unchanged. You may not be converted, but you're not going to be the same. You're going to be informed. You're going to be instructed. You're going to be challenged. You might even be convicted. Because you're, but you're not going to be undaunted by the Lord's appearance. When he appeared to people, he made a difference in their lives. And I pray that this morning that God will make a difference in your life. That he will give you a hunger and an unquenchable thirst. That he will give you an appetite for him that can't be satisfied until you have all of him. Until you keep seeking until you find him. You keep knocking until he answers. You keep asking until he responds. You keep praying until you're delivered. You keep praising until you're elevated. You keep moving. You keep growing. You don't stop. Don't settle for wherever you are. Wherever you are spiritually right now, even if you're not a believer, don't be content with that. God has something better for you than just existence. God has something better for you than mere survival. God has surviving and thriving for you. That's the word I was looking for. God has more than survival. He has thriving for you. Amen. Amen. God said I came. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Lord said, the Lord said, the Lord said in John 10, 10, and Justin, correct me if I'm wrong, that the thief comes but to steal, kill, and destroy. But listen to what Jesus said. Jesus' own words, but I, capital I, I have come. I am that I am, the great I am. I have come that you might have Zoe. That's the Greek word. That you might have not just basic life, not just existing on the lowest level, not just barely getting by life. And I'm not talking about financially. But I'm talking about Zoe life, abundant life, a life that will take you to another level, another place. Amen? Do you all believe that? I'm trying to sit down, but I want you to believe that. I want to convince you. I believe that it's my job to do the, everything within my power to convince you guys of what God's word is saying. Don't believe me. Don't believe me like the men of Samaria when the woman at the well came and told them about Jesus, the Messiah that she had met. Don't believe me because of what I'm saying. Let me convince you by pointing you to the word. Believe the word. Don't just believe it for my sake. Be like the Bereans. What did the Bereans do in Acts 17, 11? They went home every Sunday after church or whenever they congregated, and they searched the scriptures, Sister Rose Royale. They searched it. They might have danced like you do. They searched the scriptures. They searched the scriptures to see if these things were so. They weren't satisfied just hearing the preacher talk about it at 20750 Arbor Avenue. They went home and searched the scriptures and let God work in their heart for themselves. They saw it for themselves. Amen? You all believe that? Amen. God bless you. God bless you. Come on, praise him. There is no greater love.
you next. Thank you.